A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron, and this is A Mucky Business. It's the show where we look at the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians, because although we may well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin, so is everything else since the fall. And, and we think that being engaged with politics and praying for those who work and live around the world of politics is right, so that we can pray in an informed way for what they are doing. Today, we're going to be joined by somebody who I know really well, one of my best friends, in fact, who's journeyed through this mucky business of politics alongside me here in Westmoreland. And that's where I'm talking to you from this week. It's half term recess and I'm in my office in Kendall, not in the normal surroundings of Westminster. So Phil Dixon, who will join us shortly, is the Liberal Democrat councillor for Kendall West in the Westmoreland and Furness council area. And as I said, a very close personal friend of mine. We're going to hear about his involvement in local politics, about how he came to faith, and also about how each of us has a role in supporting those involved in frontline politics. But before that, the news is full of wars and rumours of wars. Tensions escalate daily in the Middle East. Russia and China flex their muscles. And this week, the head of NATO has accused Donald Trump of undermining Western security by his latest inflammatory comments. Alongside this, we read a stream of panicky stories about funding and recruitment crises in our armed forces and the possible reintroduction of conscription. No wonder fears of World War III are rising. To a generation raised on Second World War nostalgia, the prospect of actually having to be involved in a similar scale conflict, amplified by the development of nuclear, chemical and biological weapons, is to say the very least, pretty frightening. How should we think about the concept of war? Well, there are two main Christian approaches. The first is pacifism, the idea that taking up arms is wrong in all circumstances. This view emphasises Jesus' command to love our enemies and his yielding to the Jewish and Roman authorities. He could have called down armies of angels to rescue him, but he chose to submit. The second approach builds on the just war theory in response to a threat. The cause must be righteous, the response must be proportionate and discriminate, and there must be an expectation of a successful outcome. This view holds that it is legitimate for Christians to join the armed forces as servants of the authorities instituted by God to keep order. See Romans 13. What both these views have in common is that vengeance is the Lord's. We should never act out of rage or for revenge. God requires justice, but he tempers retribution with mercy. These concepts give us a framework for thinking about how we might respond should our country find itself going to war. But of course, we hope and pray this situation will not arise. It's so tempting to withdraw, to ignore the news as a way to cope with our fears, or else we might become so anxious that we feel paralysed and helpless. But I want to encourage us to take comfort in Jesus' words from Matthew 24, verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. A constant refrain throughout the Bible to fearful people, often spoken by an angel, is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Ask for God's peace and do channel your concerns into positive action. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 tell us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First and foremost, then, we should be praying. 
I don't just mean sending up occasional arrow prayers, but properly interceding for the desperate situations we see around the globe. We should be crying out to God for the world that he loves, for wisdom, restraint and mercy, for governments, rulers, for freedom, deliverance and peace. Secondly, as Christians, we're called to be active peacemakers, to engage in our communities and in our political life, to model reconciliation and not to stoke division. John Stott, in his classic work, Issues Facing Christians Today, tells us what this should look like. Christ means his church to be a sign of his kingdom. That is a model of what human community looks like when it comes under his rule of righteousness and peace. An authentic kingdom community, he says, will then challenge the value system of the secular community and offer a viable alternative. The influence for peace of communities of peace is inestimable. And as we engage, we need to continually be aware of how we perceive others. The more we are suspicious towards those who do not seem like us, the easier it is to fuel division and hatred, and the easier it then becomes to justify aggression against those who are different. This is why I seek to speak out so often against any policy or line of argument that portrays any group of people as less than human. Finally, we need to remember the hope that we have. The world is fallen, full of anger and division. We cannot bring perfect peace to earth by our own efforts. So we must stand on God's promise to renew all things. Let's turn the words of Isaiah chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 into our prayer for today. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Amen. A mucky business with Tim Farron. Well, it's time to talk to our guests. And this week, it's it's local Liberal Democrat councillor in Kendall. Uh, my very good personal friend, Phil Dixon. Good morning. How are you? Well, it's unusual to see you at this time of day, Tim. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Out in the dark, knocking on doors is a normal place. The, the normal place, Tim. The um, normal place. But uh, so, look, we'll start off by, you know, I've got many reasons to be grateful to you. One of which, of course, is that you are possibly our most avid listener uh, to <laughs> a mucky business. And so thank you very much for, for being so loyal um, in so many ways. Uh, because you listen to it all the time, you'll know we start off our interviews with our guests by asking them about their faith. So you are a Christian. How did that happen? What does that mean? Tim, well, thank you. Yeah, it is... Uh... It's unusual to be on the other side of listening because uh, I, I always try and listen uh, just to keep up with everything. So this is quite strange. Uh, my children, of course, were uh, saying, oh, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel getting you on. But that uh, what was it? Uh, Adrian Plath said, he said, when your children start speaking respectfully to you, you need to be worried. Yeah. So there we are. Yeah. So, yes. So thank you, Tim. Uh, as you know, I am a Kendall, Kendall person. And I was brought up in the Salvation Army. Mm. And my mum and dad and my grandparents before them were Salvationists. So as a child, I uh, came to accept the Lord as my saviour, and uh, which is a number of years ago now. Uh, I remember it quite distinctly, that, that day, that Sunday, that I came through to faith in Christ. And since then, uh, I've, you know, from time to time, I feel as if you've... Uh, Fell on the boat, but never fell off boat, off the boat. Mm. And so, um, yes, it's 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 been a long journey, but uh, you know, I'm just blessed. I'm so blessed. I have Christian parents, blessed that uh, that our children are walking with the Lord. So uh, 
and of course I'm blessed that I've got a wonderful wife. You have. So Jeanette, four children, all of whom have now produced your grandchildren. Uh, we had our, we, Tim, you know we had our eighth one. Yeah, you are. Last week, our eighth one. <laughs> Congratulations to Jonah. This one's Jonah, Jonah. the latest number, one. Yes. Number eight. Very, very nearly a full Blackburn Rovers 11. <laughs> we'll get in there. Um, incidentally, Phil has got a mug, I should say. It says Granddad World on it. Oh, Bas right. Basically, uh, somebody in the office who's a little bit older got given a mug that says Best Granddad in the World. But the only words that are left not rubbed off the... Uh, the mug by the dishwasher are the words Grandad World, which sounds like a wonderful, you know, day out experience. Let's all go to Grandad World. I think it's called going to Blackburn Road. <laughs> yes, too. yes, indeed. Yes. Oh, they're all kids there, aren't they? Anyway, never mind. Let's move on. Um, so we could talk about uh, uh, Jeanette, your wife, and your ch four children, your eight grandchildren. We could talk about Blackburn Rovers. We could talk about all of your life between you becoming a Christian and now. But obviously, this is a mucky business. We talk about politics through the eyes of Christians. What happened along the way to draw you into politics? Uh, well, probably meeting you, Tim, <laughs> I would say. Uh, again, you don't want to, to sound old and miserable. When I was at school uh, in, the, in the 70s, there was quite a high level of political and dis, uh, uh, political engagement. And there were, there were quite a few uh, boys in the school who we used to talk about politics and I suppose we were always interested in that sort of thing. And I've been an armchair. I had an armchair interest in politics. Mm. It was only when we knew you, met you, and of course, uh, you always find that anybody who knows you, Tim, ends up having to do something. Yeah. And uh, and you say, oh, you can come along and help me with this. And I said, oh, can I? Mm. And you said, yes. So, so I ended up putting up your, your signs yes. uh, all over South Lakeland uh, in one of the elections. Um, we won. We did win we won. the skin we of won. our teeth in 2005. I think I might come back to our um, the, the early days of our meeting in a, in a moment or two. But but first, let's go to the politics. Now, just so I think I've already explained, we're sat in my office in Kendall, not in the normal studio. Behind us, we have a kind of league table. Um, and Phil, I can reveal to you, is number one on the league table of door knockers of all the councillors <laughs> in South Lakeland. In fact, probably by about two to one. Um, so do you enjoy going out knocking on doors and why do you do it? Well, that's a great question. Happily, I did um, I did think about this. Yeah, I think I like to be involved in the life of the town. Mm. I like to be involved with the life of the community. I was uh, reminded, funnily enough, I was reading through Jeremiah this week. And, uh, and I got to Jeremiah, I think it's 29. And Jeremiah from Jerusalem writes to the captives in Babylon. And he says, settle down, mm. buy houses. Because in in the welfare, and pray for the welfare of the city, he says. Mm. And in the welfare of the city is your welfare. Yeah. And I thought that I, I'd never, I'd obviously read that verse before, but I've never been quite as struck by it before. Mm. And and that commitment, you know, we live in a sort of Babylon experience. Mm. We're we're away from the Lord. We're we're not we're not living in the city of God. We're living in a foreign land. Mm. And I like to be involved with it. I like to be involved with the welfare of the town. I like to be involved with the welfare of the area. And and just being involved, it's such a great blessing, great inspiration. I like to be known as I walk through town. You know, yeah. because people know us 
as Christians. Yeah. And, I mean, your ward, I mean, people have a view of the Lake District being an affluent place. It, it kind of isn't. It's very mixed. And, and your your ward is probably, or probably contains the most deprived bits of our area, would you say, down by the river especially? Uh, well, I would say that we've got some of the poshest houses in Kendal and mm. some of the roughest houses in Kendal mm. are all mixed in. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're, people are still sinners. Yeah. You know, people still need to save you, whether you're in the posh end or whether you're in the poor end. Yeah. You know, uh, and these are still people still made in the image of God. And it's yeah. great to be able to serve. A mucky business with Tim Farron. We're joined by Kendall West councillor, Phil Dixon. It is. Kendall. Uh, I never know what the title I think it's Kendall West or Kendall Highgate. They keep changing the names of the ward. Yeah. We have a new <laughs> council here. So there's a Westmoreland Furnace Council, which came into being about a year ago, and Phil joins us. He is the councillor for the Kendall West Ward, as it is now known. Um, we talked about you being known in the town for being a Christian. So um, I, not the first time I met you, but probably the first time we had a meaningful conversation uh, was about 2002. Uh, you and your wife, Jeanette, and probably the kids as well, were just finishing off uh, with your table tennis club, uh, which you ran very successfully in the town. I was finishing off a Lib Dem exec meeting. This is about three years before I got elected to Parliament. And whether listeners are aware of this or not, but I lapsed um, in my 20s and early 30s. Uh, and I remember bumping into you, so I knew you were Christians. Um, and the words I remember using to you was, uh, you're Christians, aren't you? I think I'm unbacksliding. And I know um, that from that point on, my, shall we say, restoration in the faith had an awful lot to do um with uh with with you um so i think you have been instrumental in my maturing as a christian and indeed me becoming an mp i wonder really we talk about a lot of you know christians in politics people who've been through challenging times and uh, I, I wonder whether if you don't mind me saying so you think every christian politician needs a phil dixon well uh, <laughs> that's quite a question i mean i mean going back um we will recall that the first time we ever met, you know, we never knew you had any vague Christian connection. And you always said that uh, you, you worried that you were a bit on edge and with us, which we never, we never, never gathered. And I suppose the other thing was that uh, with hindsight, I thought it was fairly sad that we were the only people you could find <laughs> who, who, who were Christians. Yeah. Uh, you know, we like to put ourselves out there. We were involved with, life in the town and Jeanette particularly was you know she was always very good at public facing mm. and uh it was just that we were, we were there we were just yeah. living life and we're big believers in living life yeah and you know I think that anything to do with public life it's great to have people who are Christians involved with it mm. uh, you know it, it has been one of the defining things of uh, of my life for the last 20 odd years mm. um and and I, I think I, I would say this Tim that you know especially when I listen to um mucky business every week <laughs> you, you you hear all these people think blooming heck gosh what they've done that they've done that and here's us just stuck up in the Lake District but and and that's true of mm. most people probably who are listening now mm. they're ordinary people doing ordinary things but you, you know, what was the old hymn that uh, my mother taught us, you in your small corner and I in mine? Mm -hmm. We can serve the Lord where we are. 
And to be on the council is a great privilege because mm. it's very public facing mm. when you're known as people of integrity, mm. known as someone who can be relied upon, who's not going to fly off the handle. Mm. Uh, so it's been great to be able to be a part of your life, Tim. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah, a massive blessing to have you guys in ours. And and um, one thing that we do think about is how, um, how, how Christians who end up in Parliament uh, or are on their journey maybe to becoming uh, members of parliament they th what what does fellowship look like for them i think one of the things that has really struck me by my travails and looking at kate forbes who frankly i think handled uh, hers better than than i did one of the things that i think marks uh, a, a sensible approach for a christian in politics is yes you need to be in fellowship but you also need people who are on the journey with you who are christians but also you know, not every Christian in your life needs to share your party affiliation, but it's good if some of them do. Um, and that you can therefore have people who understand the ch what the challenges are uh, when it comes to being a Christian, but also what the challenges are, in my case, being a, a Liberal Democrat and the sort of, uh, you know, things we might come up against. Do you think that is good advice for other Christians? Uh, yeah, of course it is, because, uh, you know, you've always got to have uh, your friends close. What is it? Uh... Psalm 133, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in mm. unity. Mm. And there the Lord commands a blessing. And, it, it's, you know, it's important to have friends. Tim, it's important to have friends. And it, it, you know, especially within church, churches can be quite busy and quite, um, uh, you know, busy with the life of being church. It's important over and above that to have friends. And to draw people into the world of politics is mm. very important. Unfortunately, there's no, you always worry that uh, in church we become so self-absorbed mm. with uh, with our projects and we think we're going to take the world for Jesus and we're still, we have still have that hope and that desire. Mm. But, you know, sometimes we've got to say, this is how our world is a political world. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's important that we are there because if we if we aren't in that space, then the enemy will come in and seek to occupy that space. Somebody else turns up instead of us. Absolutely, yeah, great point. Yeah. Um. One one thing that I mean, so as it happens, and and it is entirely providential. It certainly isn't uh, by design. Here we are talking uh, at this part of the day, and at the end of today, I'm at your church in Windermere. You are, um, and, and I'm interviewing you. Yeah. So the tables will be will be turned and. But it's not the first time we've done anything like this. So going probably for the best part of 20 years now, um, Phil, you and your wife, Jeanette, have, have organised from time to time um, events where I will speak to maybe mixed audiences, um, Christians who might bring non-Christian friends, and to, to, to lightly, if you like, create an opportunity um, to get the gospel out to people who might not otherwise have, have heard it. Is that a good use of a Christian MP and his mates? Well, it is. I mean, you, you know... As I was hoping to say to uh, to our friends at church tonight, you know, Tim is a C-list celebrity. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, C-list celebrity, and you know, you you know, you are. I mean, in the Christian world, you're a bit of an A-list celebrity. So, uh, you know, we you you put yourself out there. You know, one of the things going back to the the, the canvassing and the campaigning, uh, very very few people say a bad word about you 
you know, you have Tim. Oh gosh, up this sounds as if I'm uh, 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 trying to just be too nice to you. <laughs> Very few people have a bad word to say about you, and when you, you know. People as a generality would say, oh, them MBs are all useless, they're all time wasters, oh, they're terrible. Tim's all right, though. Yeah, Tim. And, you know, you have a good testimony You have uh, within our area. You know, what, whatever it is to do with the health service, to do just being there for people. And, uh, and so, therefore, it's quite easy for people to recognise you as a Christian because you you haven't upset many people. I mean, we know you upset people with this or Brexit and this and that. All, there's all sorts of minor issues, but the reality is most people in our area think very highly of you. Were you to have lost your seat in one of the past elections, mm. most people would have said, "Oh, it's a shame, really, because he was a good lad." <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have a good testimony, and because of that, you've got a platform mm. for promote for for the gospel. I always describe myself as a Z-list celebrity. So Z-list. I'm behind to see You've this. This up. is good news. So, um, yeah, I think, so what we do tonight and what we'll do, what we've done beforehand and we do uh, nationally quite a bit more now is is just take the opportunity to take whatever level mm. celebrity I am and and just hopefully people come into the room who are not Christians and you might hear the word and they might not have heard it otherwise. Um, but uh, And I think I would say, Tim, that the it's good to help people become aware of uh, issues beyond church life. Yeah. Because uh, I think because of the world in which we live, you know, the levels of prayer and commitment and love that our world needs mm. uh, need to be stirred up. We yeah. can just get, uh, get get a little bit involved in navel-gazing, really. It's very easy to do. Well, uh, we'll, we'll conclude our navel-gazing there, I think, exactly. probably, because uh, time is running out but i think i think my conclusion is is that you know uh, to answer my own question from earlier on i think uh, christian mp's need phil dixons and i think that it's important if you are out there listening to this whatever your politics and you think it would be good to uh, get alongside a prospective mp or an mp in your area who is a christian do do so they will be blessed massively by you uh, by your support your prayers your advice and uh, and everything else so um phil thanks for um thanks for everything and we're on tenterhooks not just because of tonight's meeting but because blackburn rovers are away at birmingham city under our new manager who knows yeah i'm far more confident in our chat tonight than in blackburn rovers likewise but there you go character building it is so right. uh, phil lovely to have you again god bless thanks tim i'll see you later Each week we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It might be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. Well, I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer, so please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week Dylan has been in touch and he says this, I found your recent advice on how Christians should respond to the woke and anti-woke agenda really helpful. Thanks. I belong to a political party, says Dylan, that recently held an internal election to nominate a representative to sit in the House of Lords. A male clearly topped the poll, but the female who came second was selected as party rules meant that a female had to be chosen. Bearing in mind that 75% of the members of the House of Lords are male, do you think that Christians should support such gender balanced policies or is it taking diversity and equality too far? Dylan, 
great question. I suspect that relates to the election of a hereditary member of the House of Lords, but will you perhaps drop us a line to tell us a bit more about it? I don't think I probably need to explain uh, to listeners that much that the House of Lords is not enormously representative of society, as I, uh, I think I observe correctly, that there are probably more members of the House of Lords aged over 100 than there are aged under 30. And indeed, the male-female balance is as Dylan correctly uh, sets out, three quarters of the members of the Lords are are male. So you can argue that that comes about via subtle and informal uh, gender balance uh, policies, shall we say, that leads to men being in those positions more than women. In which case, I personally think it's entirely legitimate uh, for a political party to seek to correct that imbalance, to try to achieve fairness via proactive interventions. I also can take the view that is, uh, or at least accept and, and understand the view, which is opposed to that, which is that every selection should be entirely upon upon merit and therefore there should be no gender balance policies at all. I guess what I'm saying is this was one of these areas where I don't think I can definitively pull from the Bible and say you should or you shouldn't uh, do this. I take the view that Christians believe in fairness, in the equal value of every single human being, all made in the image of God. And if you have an institution where the cards seem to have accidentally, dare I say, uh, have been stacked in the favour of one gender, there's nothing wrong with human beings taking it upon themselves to deliberately try and stack them back in the other direction to create some kind of equity. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Let's end our time this week, as we always do, in prayer. Uh, loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and always. And we thank you that you are present in our communities in the United Kingdom and you are present in the uh, the top tables in every country, in every empire and every regime around the world. So we pray for our own communities in the United Kingdom, perhaps especially those that are facing parliamentary by-elections at the moment, um, that divisions may be stoked by events overseas would be healed, um, that you bring your peace to those communities, you'd strengthen your people in those communities, that the gospel will be held out as the real uh, route to peace for all in this land. Um, and we pray internationally. We pray for um, the American election that is coming this year. We pray um, for those around President Putin, President Xi. We pray uh, for Israel and Gaza, those around uh, President Netanyahu. We pray for people of peace, of integrity to emerge in places of power. Uh, we pray that they will be humble before you, recognising that you are the only Lord of Princes, um, that uh, your hand is upon this world and no uh, flight of fancy or mission of man will ever overcome that. Lord, we just pray um, for this world that seems so febrile, uh, where the peace and security of this world seems so in doubt at the moment. We ask for peace, but we ask also for the strengthening of your people and the uh, proposition of your word um, in every one of those, every region of this world, uh, that your word will be heard, that people would turn to you and seek the only place where true peace can be genuinely found. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just head for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premier.plus forward slash A Mucky Business. Thanks for being with us again. Music.